What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of A Yang and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm Seb Norin, your Swede. With me, Elliot Niblock, your Yank. And guess what? What's that, Seb? We had some draws today. Did indeed. Yep, so the Champions League round of 16 draw and the round of 32 in the Europa League. At least it's not the round of 64, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they haven't gone quite full-on NCAA basketball tournament just yet, but we'll see. There's time. See, that would almost be better. Do like a March Madness type setup uh, for the whole like, tournament. Just do it. You know, see, the the talk about the European League, um, which I know would be a table-based league, at least in the kind of theoretical constructions that it exists in at the moment, but that that is the kind of thing that I would be interested in, right? Like, if the Italian, Spanish, German, French, English football federations got together you know, maybe the uh, Dutch or Belgian want to get in on it too, and then just have like an FA equivalent, FA Cup equivalent tournament with just the top two divisions in every country. That would be crazy. I mean, even just the top edition, like division, would be awesome. I like it would be fascinating. I don't think that in terms of logistically, it would really hold up because you know you could you end up with. PSG and Neymar coming in to play in a stadium that seats 5,000, but that's part of what makes the FA Cup awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing, and you do have that type of stuff happening in the French Cup. Um, I forget which... I'm blanking on the name of the French Cups right now, but there's two. There's one that's for more the top-tier teams, and there's one that's for every team in France. Um so that could happen like a you know tier 4 team or tier 5 team gets to play PSG if they go yeah. far enough yeah i mean i think that i think that that would be that would be interesting of course this is from the fans perspective not from the owners perspective and from the owners perspective the whole reason starting a european super league to begin with is you know, milking that cash cow even further, and our prospective FA Cup big knockout round style tournament would not bring in the billions the way that the European Super League would. So its chances are slim to none of existing. But no. we can dream. Yeah, that's true. No, they would only want the creme de la creme, mm-hmm. the biggest clubs, makes the most money, and all that good stuff. So that's not going to happen. But let's uh, rattle through the last 16 draw here that we had in the Champions League. Schalke against Man City. Atletico against Juventus. Manchester United got PSG. Spurs got Dortmund. Lyon against Barcelona. Roma against Porto. Lucky Roma. Ajax against Real Madrid. And Liverpool against Bayern Munich. Yeah. I think so, the, a couple of really tasty matchups here. Yeah. I mean the the Liverpool and United fixtures are the two that stand out to me um in the round of 16, right? You know, United against PSG and Liverpool Bayern, especially United against PSG if if Jose Mourinho is still in charge of Manchester United come February. 
then, uh, you know, if they get embarrassed by PSG, which they are entirely capable of doing, then perhaps that'll be the nail in the coffin. I think the coffin's going to have clapped shut long before February 12th, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. First leg takes place, like you said, February 12th and 13th, and then... um... 1920 and then second legs played over march 5 6 and 12 13 so a lot of good stuff to look forward to there i mean liverpool by munich that's a really interesting matchup uh byron you know they're byron <laughs> basically yeah uh robin and um the little one ribbery uh, both seem to be <laughs> the on little the one. little one he's short <laughs> they seem to be on their way out robin already confirmed this is his last season uh, with the German champs, uh, talk about him returning to PSV Eindhoven, actually. So uh, we'll see if he goes back to his roots there. Uh, what Ribéry will do, I have no idea. But he's getting up there in age. He is, but he's still a useful player. I mean, I think that there are a lot of teams in Europe that would love to have him on the books. I also am certain that he could take a big payday in China if he wants to do that, but... Um... You never know. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm putting myself in the shoes of the professional footballer, but let's be real, that's kind of our jobs here. I would I would never go to China, especially uh, given that he is already many times over a millionaire, so it seems Yeah, that's the thing. I, I can understand it from a point of the players who might not have earned as much money in their career. If mm-hmm. they get a chance to go to like a Qatar or you know, Arab Emirates or whatever, and earn a lot of money in a short amount of time, or China for that matter too, then yeah, I totally understand it. Why players like Andres Iniesta goes to Asia, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Spurs Dortmund, I think, should not be overlooked here. I think that has the potential to be the best played matchup. Think so? Yes. Open, free-flowing, some goals. I think that could be a really, really good matchup. Man United-PSG, I'm dreading this already. Uh, <laughs> and I'll do so for the next two months. Uh, it, it's just, that was a nightmare draw for them. Man City, yeah. I think Schalke, that was a good draw for them. Nothing bad against Schalke, but that's a good uh, draw for City. Yeah, I mean, City would be, City are favorites against the majority of these 16 teams you know a slim majority because the class of europe is represented here but yeah i still think that they're favored against more than not yeah it will be interesting to see too if ajax can get something uh, against real madrid i mean that first leg i think is going to be extremely important real madrid not playing up to their normal capacity so uh, no certainly not we'll see if the dutch can uh take advantage of that if they still haven't figured things out in the next two months Uh, moving over to Europa League we'll just talk about Chelsea and Arsenal because really I'm not going to go through the last 32 that's way too many teams Uh, (laughs) Chelsea they got Malmö from uh, my home country of Sweden and uh, Chelsea fans are already celebrating getting through to the next round like uh, legit they're like oh cool next let's sting your swedish pride here a little bit oh not at all <laughs> chelsea are humongous favorites humongous i think the 
I don't have the exact numbers here, but it wouldn't shock me if the player that was like of the senior regular players in Chelsea squad, if that player was making more than basically all of Malmö combined. Yeah. Wow. Boy. I mean, we were just talking about the money involved with these top tier teams, but yes. it's still, when you put it that way, it really comes into sharp relief. Yeah. And I mean, really, I look at Malmö, they've done great to just get out of the group. Really. I think they should be commended for that. But you know, when one of their key players is Marcus Rosenberg, who couldn't even cut it out of West Brom, then, you know, it, it's such a wide gap here. It's really, you know, David against Goliath here. But it would be hilarious if even Malmö got a draw in the first leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I thought you were going to say even got a goal. But, yeah, a draw would be great for them. I mean, I don't... I, I think that Chelsea are going to be comfortably through um, oh they should they should be embarrassed if they're not yeah I, but i mean this is but i think it's it, hilarious that the fans were like okay next right off the bat it's just so poor class it's like i'm all for you can be like okay cool we got a favorable draw let's take a trip to southern sweden or whatever but when they're just i don't know i i, I don't like the cockiness See, it, it it does sting your Swedish pride just a little, huh? <laughs> it doesn't have to do with the fact that they're a Swedish team, really. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I mean, I, I, your point is well taken, and I think that to the fact that Malmo play the first leg at home, yeah, is uh, a huge boon to them. Still expect Chelsea to go to Sweden and light it up with at least two or three goals. Um, but you know, I mean, but what, of course. From a Chelsea perspective, it is harder to go on the road. Um, and, you know, what you want to do, especially when you're facing a team that on paper you're so much superior to, you would like to play them first at home, run out four nail winners, and then be able to rotate heavily for the second leg. So, yeah, I mean, it, say nothing of a draw. If Malmo can even keep it interesting, then Sari's going to have some more kind of squad selection decisions that he would otherwise. So. Yeah, and the fact is too that since this, you know, this, they play opposite in Sweden, so that's going to be off season for Malmo. Yeah, like season hasn't even started yet. So everything is speaking against Malmo. Everything is for Chelsea. I think they would have had the same reaction though if they got drawn against Bate Borisov, yes. like Arsenal did. I was yeah. the, were the Arsenal fans as jubilant over their draw. I mean, I the handful of Arsenal America supporters groups that I follow wasn't, you know, it w- w- certainly wasn't okay next, you no. know, and it wasn't jubilation by any means. Um, is it a more favorable draw than some of the other teams? You know, that, yes, I think so, but you still got to play the games. You still got to travel to Belarus and for... I think that whatever the increase in travel time, yeah, yeah, you you still you still have to favor yourselves against Borisov. Yeah. You know? So let's see here. Yeah, it doesn't look awesome as far as. Uh, let's see here. If we go historically, so in February of this year, if we're talking mid. 
February. We're talking about a high of 25-ish in Minsk. You're speaking in Fahrenheit. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's cold. That's cold. <laughs> uh, especially since these games are played at night, it will probably not be 25 if that's the average high. Yeah. I can tell you now that right now it's 23 degrees in Minsk. And allergies are very high. Well, it's also like past midnight there. Thank you, AccuWeather. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the the conditions will be a factor. I still think you have to expect Arsenal to win it handily. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, the the big question that will be answered by the time they do travel to Belarus is whether or not Arsenal add a center back in the January transfer window shorthanded as we have been, um, you know, talk some more about Arsenal's current defensive woes uh, here shortly when we recap the premier league action from the weekend. But I think that, you know, speaking of rotating your squad for the Europa league, Emery is going to have some big questions about that also, especially if we are anything close to as shorthanded defensively as we are at the moment. Yeah. Is there nothing in the pipeline that they would be ready to take a gamble on? I mean, I've, I've seen some vague rumors, but I, you're the one who loves the silly season here, Seb. I'll, I'll start to actually consider it. In oh, the no, no, no. I, I was, I was more thinking about like the under 23s. Oh, okay. So I think that the 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 player that I really want to see step up into that role is Mavropanos, but he's coming back from injury, so he's he's a lot less likely to step into that role. Um, and I don't even know that he is expected to return before January. Um, I think the last that I saw was sometime in the next two to three weeks. So yeah, you know, it could be, could be January before he's back. Um, I, even though there, there are players in the under 23s who I think are useful. I think that we saw like, you know, uh, Bukayo Saka, for example, obviously different position, but the winger coming up through had a great game against Karabag, but at a position that demands such experience, I can't imagine throwing an un, throwing somebody who is in his early 20s into that role in the Premier League, maybe to rotate. But we are in the knockout rounds of the Europa League, and we still have to be realistic that even though the gap in top four is only three points at the moment – that may end up being our most likely avenue into Champions League football. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's not the case come May, but it might be. Yeah, yeah no, I I saw something. Emery was sort of hinting that he wants something to happen during the transfer window. So Yeah, he, did, he was pressed on it, though, and as I guess you would probably anticipate, he refused to guarantee any signings, but did confirm that, of course, they're interested i mean he's you know uh as much if not more aware than anyone else that we're short at center half at the moment yeah so the daily canon some former arsenal blog i'm assuming yeah not my favorite but it's fine <laughs> they have a short list here that is gary cahill 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been mooted as potentially even a, a loan move. Um, Mario Hermoso from Espanol. The, or Real Betis, I guess. Uh, Eric Bailly? I don't see yeah, that happening. That's not happening. That's not happening. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, Daniel Rugani. Oh, God. I would love Daniel Rugani, but that is also not happening. We yeah. don't have the money to buy him. <laughs> and no. uh, Sebastian Valukiewicz from uh, Pogon Shashenin. S. Z C Z E C I N. Okay. Those Polish. Yeah, lots of consonants in the Poles. I mean, I I think that a move for Gary Cahill would be exactly what this scenario needs. Um, I was speaking just now how a defender in his early twenties is not ready for this role. Uh, Gary Cahill is one of the most experienced center halves in the Premier League. He's a player I've rated for a long time. He's a player I think gets some unfair stick from the fans, not only of Chelsea, but also of England. Uh, Is he a perfect center half? No. Is he going to go down in the annals as the same class as a Carlos Puyol or... uh, Gerard Piquet, absolutely not. But he's a very useful player. He's an experienced Premier League defender. He's clearly been frustrated at Chelsea of late. I I think that if Chelsea are willing to deal him to Arsenal, Arsenal would take him. Um, yes. But I also, I, I'm, I'm not Unai Emery. You know, I, that's how I rate him. I don't know how Emery does. And also the other consideration is, you know, not merely thinking of the future, but thinking of, the wage bill, you know, he's uh, on a salary of a few million pounds a year, and that's maybe heftier than they want for someone they envision as a temporary stopgap squad player. Now, I think that he is good enough that he could press, he, he could really press for a longer standing position as an Arsenal center back if we sign him on a permanent move. I, I mean, and... I don't know, uh, but he's going to be 33 this week. So uh, he's clearly, you know, he's not going to be a signing for the future. He's just about exactly the same age as Laurent Koscielny. Um, I wouldn't be, if he joins us, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see a loan move be what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's a that's a significant amount of wages that we'd be taking off of Chelsea's books. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 wage bill is not, you know, something you can just okay. So uh, yeah, maybe a loan move first, see how things shake out, and then you could maybe make it permanent. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that that would be that would be the kind of move that I would welcome. Um, because it is a rare thing that uh, I don't want to say panic buy, but a kind of situational tactical purchase in January turns out to be 
a long-standing stalwart defender in the squad. Now, there are exceptions, and for Arsenal, the first who leaps to mind is Nacho Monreal. I mean, I think he's been one of Arsenal's best defenders, certainly one of our best defenders going forward in the last several years. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that. But just merely, we've got to get experienced bodies in our back line because we are bleeding goals and with the injuries mounting up and Hector Bellerin set to be out until the new year, we're really in trouble in the defensive third of the pitch. Yeah. And when you make a move like that in January, it's almost, it's a little bit of a comfort factor too. If you bring in a player who's already played in the premier league and like you yeah. said, Cahill vastly experienced. So I, I think yep. that would be a good move for them. Uh, since we are talking about Arsenal, let's move in to their game against Southampton here. On Sunday, that ended in a heartbreak. A 3-2 loss. Late goal by Charlie Austin. Yeah. Uh, frustrating, to say the least. Um, I don't... I'm, t- I'm torn because I think that Arsenal played maybe well enough to deserve a draw, but maybe not. And... And the the thing is that the particularly the second goal for Southampton was an inch perfect ball, um, but I think that it is the the exemplar that I want to focus on in terms of Lauren Koscielny because he didn't have a bad game. I mean, we've had Mustafi horror shows at center half, and this was by no means that. But yet when you concede three goals. You've got to ask questions of, has he lost a step? It's hard to say. Has he lost an inch on his vertical? It's hard to say. Would those couple of inches, half-quicker step, have been the difference between a draw or even a win on Sunday? I think very possibly yes is the answer. I mean, Arsenal had almost exactly two-thirds of possession in this match and managed three fewer shots on target. Now, one more shot total, so part of it is just dealing with accuracy, but the... And I was thrilled to see Koscielny come back in the Europa League at midweek. I was thrilled also to see how much it clearly meant to him. The captain's back. I love Kosh. I want him in this team, but, you know, he... He looked like he was just maybe half a step off. And and this, again, speaks to do you make a loan move for Gary Cahill or try to get in somebody you think might be helpful down the road? Coming back from an injury the way that – like an injury to your Achilles when you've had chronic issues with it already, when you're in your early 30s, you know, there is the question of is he just not totally Premier League match fit yet? Or is he always going to have lost that step? And the sample size is way too strong, too small to draw con- like conclusions and make a strong claim about that at this point. But it has to be in the back of the mind of the manager, and especially in the back of the mind of the manager with an eye to January. And if it's not, then that's irresponsible. But Emery is nothing if not a consummate professional, so I'm sure that that is part of his thinking as we move towards the festive period and the mid-season transfer window. Yeah, 
Arsenal will have a shot at redemption on Saturday as they take on Burnley at home. Burnley dropped down into the relegation zone after their one nothing loss against Spurs and Southampton beaten Arsenal. So Burnley right now in 18th place. Manchester United lost 3-1 to one against Liverpool. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Not so uh, much burying the lead is like, Burying uh, it at sea in the Marianas Trench, that one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was... Uh, I mean, I, I talked about this before the game. It didn't really count on getting anything out of it. Yeah. Sort of the same thing here, as you said, for Arsenal. Liverpool almost had two-thirds of possession. They had 11 shots on target. They have 36 attempts. United had two shots on targets and six attempts. Yeah. So, class difference here. Um, so you got to give it up for Liverpool for just being really, really good. Yep. Uh, Shakiri came in and uh, scored two goals, securing yeah. the win here. I mean, I think that he showed that he's, uh, and we all we we all knew that, like, with he he was too good a player to play in the championship. He was going to be available comparatively on the cheap. And Liverpool won the lottery, and that's what he brings, you know. Um, I mean, I think that it was maybe not expected that he would score within a minute and a half of coming on the pitch, but nope. uh, he's he, he's uh, I'm I would even say borderline world class player on his day. I mean, I don't think that his game is ever going to be as dominant. As he's he's kind of halfway between a, a Ronaldo and a Messi, but he doesn't have the stature of a Ronaldo. He doesn't have the ball glued to his foot that Messi does. But he's got a little bit of the aspects of both of their games and being the free kick specialist that Ronaldo offers, and also still being you know like low to the ground, a solid dribbler of the ball. But boy, when he connects. With his laces sweetly, it is a thing to bold. Yeah, I think he's a perfect player to have in your squad if you're looking to challenge for a championship. Have him as sort of a rotational player, someone you can throw in off the bench and comes in and make a difference. Yep. Perfect scenario for Liverpool. And as long as he can buy into that role, he's probably getting a good paycheck for it. So he's probably happy. So that that's well, a, and he's got a chance to win a championship. Yeah, so that, that's <laughs> in, a real, in the that's, most competitive league in the world. So yes. there's that too. Sort of win-win situation situation there for both parties. So um, yeah, kudos to Liverpool for again just showing just how poor Manchester United are, um, while also showing how good they are. Yeah, um, I mean, I think we've got a. Well, I guess you can say quickly that also United's goal came off of a horrible goalkeeping error. So there's a little bit of an asterisk to that. Yep. Um, but Liverpool, to their credit, dominated the game, got, you know, not only retook the lead, but also got their insurance goal. We've got to talk about Jose now, though. You know, like, what do you. Where do you see his job in terms of the maybe losing it hot seat? Is it getting close yet? What are your thoughts on that? I've spoken about this so many times that it already should be enough. Yeah. I I just don't see him being able to turn this around. 
it doesn't matter how much money you give him this time around. Because that's not the problem. The problem is his managerial style, his tactics. It's not working anymore. That's just fact. Yeah. And, you know, I don't always agree with the NBC Sports pundits, but I think that Kyle Martino was absolutely spot on in the postgame analysis and talking about, you know, this is Manchester United and the prestige of this club is such that this is unacceptable. And if the board are making a calculus that has to do with dollars and cents or, you know, pounds and pence, then they are not merely failing to do justice to the fans, but also misunderstanding the nature of the brand of Manchester United. And this is a point that he, I mean, I think he made all of his points well, but I would want to stress this even further in that, yeah, the the impact of no Champions League football has a real, like, you know, real repercussions for your bottom line in the spreadsheets next season. But just thinking about next season is short-sighted, even if you're strictly financial about how you view it, like, right? Even if you don't have prestige in terms of trophies and mystique, the way we care about as supporters, the way we care about as fans, even if your goal is only to maintain the monetary solvency of the club, you know, you're, you're losing fans. Like there are kids growing up and this is going to be less true in England than it is abroad, just because the weight of tradition, I think is understood a little better, of course, in Mm. the place where the game is from. But, you know, you have kids growing up now and they're playing soccer in the U S six, seven years old, and they watch it on Saturday morning. And you know what they're saying right now is they say, oh, no, I'm a City fan. United suck. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. And they, poor, like, poor when, children. Yeah, I, well, but yeah, but it's but this is but this is my point is that those kids are going to go on to buy kits every two or three years as adults. You know, they're going to be the ones convincing them, their parents to, you know, should they be lucky enough to afford it to, yeah, let's, let's take a holiday in England and we'll go make a trip to the Etihad instead of Old Trafford. You know, like Manchester United's global brand is massive. And I don't mean to suggest that it's going to collapse overnight, but if you don't think that what's happening right now has real repercussions for where that brand is for this club in a decade, then you're a fool. No, that's absolutely true, and it's a shame that that's part of the thinking, because really I could not care less about the brand as a whole. Um, well, yes, because but you're already – but, I mean, you also came of age at a time when the mystique of United was the mystique of United, and mm-hmm. it was unquestionable and unimpeachable. And the era in which we live with the amount of foreign, particularly, although not exclusively, oil billions invested in the game, I mean, that kind of – long-standing oligarchy of the richest clubs of which Manchester United is obviously the paragon like that that oligarchy is being challenged by the nouveau riche and yeah I mean I think that there is an argument a strong argument for our heritage our history is something that cannot be bought and sold but that only goes so far when you're getting run off the pitch every week 
Absolutely true. And it's a sad sight to see, and hopefully something will change. Mm -hmm. uh, you just wonder how much it will have to take before enough is enough, and even the board can see that, okay, this is not working. This is not going to yeah. fix itself. I mean, and you hear chants of, well, also the song of F off, Mourinho, but also chance of don't fire Mourinho ringing around Anfield boy how many alarm bells do you need yeah yeah Ugh. Uh, yep 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 let's take a look at the top of the table Liverpool still in first 45 points Man City staying second with their 3-1 to win over Everton 44 points Spurs in third after beating Burnley 1-0 39 points Chelsea still in fourth after beating Brighton 2-1 to now we got Arsenal in fifth and United in sixth. Yeah, but look I at think... but that's the thing too. So you got you have Arsenal thirty four points, then you drop down to United twenty six, then you got Wolves twenty five, Everton twenty four, West Ham twenty four, Watford twenty four, Bournemouth twenty three, and Leicester twenty two, Brighton twenty one, and then you have another drop off. Yeah, I mean I. Manchester if United someone told me, even though you know I didn't have high hopes for the season going in with Mourinho, if someone told me that after 17 games we would be within five points of Brighton, or I mean, we we've said this many times that Wolves are not perhaps the average promoted side. Nope. But more. You're a point ahead of a newly promoted team and even on goal difference with them. That is that is shocking. Yeah. Yeah, blech. Yeah. But that's, that's Edward Woodward doesn't seem to be shocked. He seems to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, we'll probably get a, another official sponsor of something. Windex, <laughs> the official glass cleaner of Manchester United. <laughs> He's good at that. Because the trophy cabinet is collecting dust, so you yep. need it. Need to shine that those puppies up. Okay, uh, let's wrap things up here. Uh, won't have another show this week because I'm going on vacation. So we're going to celebrate Christmas and all that good stuff. And um, talk to you again, most likely, shortly after Christmas. Yeah, well, we've certainly got the... The jam-packed Boxing Day fixtures, so yep. there'll be a lot to discuss. Yes, that's very, very true. Okay, until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better. And then give one yank one sweet a follow as well. Until then, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all that good stuff. Bye-bye. Uh,